Have you ever wondered what librarians really do all day? Why does a person choose to become a librarian? Learn the answers to these questions and more on Library Life. My name is Lisa. I'm a youth librarian at the Westerville Public Library. We'll go behind the scenes and talk to librarians to see what they do to make all of that library magic happen. I'm your guide through the looking glass. So close your eyes, open your ears, and listen. Hello everyone, this is Lisa. Welcome back to Library Life. This is a very special episode where we're going to talk about books the whole time. Yay! <laughs> so I've got Michaela and Anna Marie here with me today. And this whole episode is kind of, of our favorite youth and teen books of 2020 in review. Michaela and Anna Marie, will you both say hello and tell folks what you do? Michaela, why don't you go first? Um, hi, my name is Michaela. Michaela Sage. I am the teen librarian here at Westerville Public Library. And hi, I'm Anna Marie. I'm a youth librarian here at Westerville Library. They are my coworkers in the youth department. So we're going to dive right in. And before we talk about the actual books themselves, let's talk about were there any trends that you noticed about books published in the year of 2020? There were a lot of trends. I, I think to start off, Obviously, just based on how this year has been, there has been a quite the increase in ebooks and e audiobooks, I think, produced and use of them. Yes, I agree with that. Fully agree with that as well. I've also noticed because of, of how the year is progressing and things, some of the books that had been maybe wouldn't have as high a, a push for them as they were social justice books for different age groups. They've gotten a lot more push and it's wonderful and a lot more readers of all ages for youth and teen books that are social justice and woke books. Yeah, I agree with that too. I think for all ages, even, you know, picture books, I think when people think of picture books for, you know, little kids, five or six and under, they're thinking like cutesy books with stories. I'm not going to say that you can't have a social justice book that's cute, but, you know, there's a lot more meaning behind some of the books that are published. Some subtly and some just right in your face, which I think is good because sometimes you don't know how to talk to your children about things like social justice and racism and it helps to have a book. Absolutely. I think... There's been an influx, yeah, in every age range. I've noticed in first chapter books and especially those like middle grade uh, elementary school aimed for like grades three to six, there's been a bunch of realistic fiction, own voices books that t definitely touch on those issues. In a lot of cases, they're centered on a school story or a friendship issue, but there's been so many this year that have, I think, again, just like Michaela said, really boosted in popularity because of the times and because of a lot of the things that America went through this year. That has definitely been good for the industry, I think, to have those voices represented. I will say I do wish in teen world there were more of the non, the social justice books that we have. They're wonderful. And a lot of them are our own voices. But when I'm looking for books that are a main character that's an African-American character or person of color, almost all of them are social justice. And it's always, let me give you this book. Here it's about racial profiling. And there aren't a lot of teen books right now that are just softer realistic fiction, also featuring people of color. And I miss that. I want that. I hope that is an upcoming trend. Not saying that we don't need the social justice, racial profiling. Oh my God, please have other people understand this, but we also need 
light, soft, brain candy kind of things for every day. Yes. And I think that where I've seen that in the youth apart, like young, again, those middle grade books, I would say third grade to maybe fifth or sixth grade is in fantasy where, you know, a lot more people of color are the main characters and there might be some social justice pieces to it, but the main plot is whatever's happening in the fantasy, the action. I will say I give kudos to Rick Riordan because he, I think he pushed that with his Rick Riordan Presents series, and which is, for those listening that don't know, is a series backed by Rick Riordan who wrote Percy Jackson, and he kind of puts his seal of approval on stories featuring diverse characters, and they're usually very similar to his stories. So, you know, things dealing with cultural diversity and mythology and history of a specific culture, but brought into modern times with some type of fantasy or sci-fi aspect. Hopefully that will trickle up into teen, because I agree with you. Other trends? I think there's also been, off of that conversation, I think there's been an increase in those lighter titles for first chapter book readers. But yeah, Michaela just got me thinking. I I just read Rent a Boyfriend was a teen romance, but even that one, and a lot of it's cultural, cultural pieces but it's very much a teen romance book but it's still got some of those conversations about race and identity and culture that makes it a little bit of a step further than that fluffy but fun and wonderful romance book you got in my head Michaela now I'm thinking about everything that I've read this year I'm sorry um, if it helps. Most of the things, like the four books that I pulled to talk about that were best reads for this year, I was going through my list of all the books I'd read and realized, oh, some of my favorites weren't written in 2020. They were older books because almost every single book this year does have those important seeds and, and conversation pieces. And I'm not saying we shouldn't have them. I'm just saying maybe not every book needs to have them. But I, I am glad that teen books are on the uptick and that other readers besides just teens are seeing the value in them more so than just like the big blockbusters like Hunger Games and things like that. Absolutely. Great. I don't know. I guess you did ask another train, Lisa. So I'll, (laughs) another trend. I will lean that direction. I do think something else that there has been a lot of this year and will continue because publishers have announced new lines in 2020 is the interest in and understanding of the value of graphic novels for kids. So many publishers this year, either this year or next year, have started their own children's graphic novel lines of publishing, which feels in some cases like you are so late to the game. But I mean, Harper Alley came out this year. I think Simon & Schuster announced their their, uh, imprint, Random House Graphic. Abrams has an imprint coming. And there's just been such an increase in graphic novels that are being published, finally, mm-hmm. and ones that are really trying to appeal to those Dogman fans or those uh, Babysitter's Club fans, which is much needed. Graphic novels was actually one of the trends I was going to talk about, too. In teen, we're getting a lot more nonfiction graphic novels, which it's it's always really nice to see because Nonfiction for teenagers will, it's its kind of a gray limbo area. Sometimes it can wind up falling into adult space. Sometimes it falls into youth space. And there's not always a lot that falls directly into specifically teens, unless it's like, hey, you're going through puberty. But graphic novels are hitting that sweet spot of hitting high interest, actual topics that are are needed to talk about and in formats that are easy to digest. So I'm really excited about all the different 
16 graphic novels that are, are nonfiction coming out. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that there's been a major influx of graphic novels that are quality graphic novels. I'm, I'm very glad to see that because there's such a high demand for it. It's like sometimes you're like, we can't even keep it on all the graphic novels. And you're like, we have 50 copies of this and we can't keep it in. And I am glad to, to see that parents and grandparents who maybe weren't exposed to that when they were young are realizing that, yes, okay, there might be pictures and a lot of pictures in this book that doesn't devalue that the re- the reading part of it and the process of what the stories are. And it adds to it. Absolutely. I think there's been a increase too in those ease in graphic novels for the very young as well. Um, those kids who are Elephant and Piggy fans and are shifting into books like Narwhal and Jelly. I mean, there's I, off the top of my head, I mean, you had Agent Moose this year, Bun Bun and Bon Bon. That one might still be coming. Cookie and Broccoli, Pizza and Taco. There's so many of those like buddy pairs, but are really designed for those even like first to third grade readers, which is so necessary to help keep that interest going from that initial excitement of learning to read, branching into those older, longer books. Agreed. They're very fun. I love Pizza and Taco, by the way. That was not on my list to talk about, but that book was hysterical. (laughs) (laughs) And about voting. (laughs) All right. Any other trends you want to touch base, either one of you, or do you want to dive into books? I think I'm ready to dive into books. I have such a list. (laughs) Okay. So next we're going to talk about our favorite books of the year. And specifically, this is youth and teen related. So we're not going to touch base on adult books. And who wants to start? I can jump in. All right, (laughs) Anne-Marie. Oh, there are so many books this year that I loved. I, I know many people struggled to read during the pandemic, and I threw myself into reading in a way that I don't think I ever have before, which made it really fascinating to look at that bigger picture. I was able to read such a quantity of books that were published this year that it just opened my eyes to a lot of whether it was those trends or really being able to compare books in a way that I haven't had the opportunity to do before. So I have so many books that stood out to me this year, though I'm trying to keep my my list short. I guess starting with some of our younger readers, for a picture book, Your Name is a Song by Jamila Thumpkins Bigelow is a wonderful picture book. It's geared... I would say maybe preschool, but probably more grades like K to three. And it's a gorgeously illustrated book, but the storyline I feel like is really important. It's a girl is telling her mother how frustrated she is that she went to school and her teacher and her classmates couldn't pronounce her name correctly and really didn't make that much of an effort to do so either. And the girl's mother teaches her that everyone's name is a song and really embraces how the girl can embrace her own identity and how she can try to take these very frustrating situations and reverse it a little bit and use it as a teaching moment that the girl can teach everyone else, this is how you sing my name and you can sing everyone's name and make it that more of a special 
experience or moment. And the book really, really stuck out to me. I do not have the cultural background that the author and the illustrator, and I think this book was coming from, but my name was and often still is regularly mispronounced. So I had those feelings immediately associated when reading this book. And I can really see the value of getting that message into other kids' heads, into teachers' heads, and giving that uh, sense of you're not alone to those kids whose names are regularly mispronounced. I have so many more, <laughs> but I think that that is my my picture book that I really enjoyed. I have two beginning reader series that I really, really loved that were published this year, Ties Travels and Emma Every Day. So both of these series are own voices beginning readers, and those are so rare, especially for Ty's Travels, but actually for both of these. Uh, Ty's Travels is about young Ty, and he is an African-American boy, and having an African-American writer writing about an African-American child in a beginning reader book, as far as I can tell, doesn't really exist or is very, very rare in that subset. So this series is super important for identity and represent representation. And the books are just cute. I think there's only two of them out so far. I mean, they're very focused on beginning readers. So that vocabulary building and Ty is trying to ride a scooter and it's not going so well and he gets a friend to help him out. So there's not that much to the plot, but just that really important and needed representation and Emma Everyday books are this, the same way, just a little bit different. Emma is deaf and has a cochlear implant, and it's written by a deafblind author, so you have that own voices representation again. And Emma's just doing everyday things. She goes on a field trip with her school. They go apple picking. She's really nervous about going to her best friend's birthday party. So it's just, again, those very simple, beginning reader-based, vocabulary-based stories, but it's got that representation. So those really stuck out to me too. And I can just keep going because there's so many more books. I have not read those beginning readers. I will have to check those out. Keep going. I want to hear what else. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, check out the beginning readers. And there's more coming in both series. So I am excited for 2021 as well. I'm going to try to keep my list a little short. So I will move to a uh, chapter book that actually talks about some of those trends we talked about earlier. So there's been so many of those elementary school, you know, third to fifth grade or third even to sixth grade chapter books that have been published that really focus on realistic fiction, school stories, but also touch on some of those important topics. And one that really stuck out to me was American as Paneer Pie. This one is just a really great story wrapped up with so many important issues at once and that are really timely, especially to this year. So it is all about Lekka. And Lekka is one of very few diverse kids at her uh, small Detroit suburb. And she's one of even fewer Indian kids at her school. And extra fun for Lekka, she was born with a birthmark in the middle of her forehead. So it looks like she has a permanent bindi. And her classmates are not so kind about that. So she gets bullied quite a bit. And her goal in life is to keep her head down, avoid <laughs> avoid the bullies, and basically leave, leave her culture at home where her parents want to her to embrace her Desi culture all the time. 
But, you know, Lekka always had her one friend, her her neighbor Noah, and they both were sort of spending their time avoiding, avoiding bullies and just trying to get through the day. But then this new girl moves across the street, and her name's Avantika. And Avantika is also from India, but unlike Lekka, whose family has been in the United States for many, many, many years, Avantika just moved from India. So there's a different level of culture that Avantika and Avantika's family participate in and is just part of their day-to-day lives. And Avantika and Lekka become friends, but... Avantika gets bullied more than Lekka did, but Avantika doesn't put up with the bullies. She stands up to them, and Lekka cannot believe how bold and uh, passionate Avantika is. But at the same time, Lekka's not quite so sure about standing with Avantika because Lekka finally got accepted into the school's very competitive uh, swim team, and she just wants all of the white girls on the team to like her. So there's a lot of those friendship struggles happening. And then there's also this backdrop of the story of an election where a person is running for the state Senate position and their entire campaign is this us versus them mentality where the them are people who look like Lekka and Avantika. And this slogan that is on bumper stickers all throughout the town that is don't like it, leave. So Lekka's trying to figure out how to come to terms with what's going on. She just wants to keep her head down and go through school, but her friend Noah and Avantika feel like they should be doing something. So Lekka's trying to juggle all of these things. And it's it's just really well put together story where Lekka feels very honest and genuine. You know, her thoughts and concerns and her wants to fit in are all very, they feel raw and real. And I feel like some of these books, you do approach these kids that feel older maybe than the age they are and don't have some of those struggles as much with figuring out balancing their personal wants with what they feel like they should do. So I really liked that one. I felt like it stood out stood out in that element of all of the rest of those books that have been published this year. And I will wrap things up with just one more because I've already (laughs) been talking for quite a while. (laughs) Uh, A graphic novel that I really appreciated, Twins by Varian Johnson and Shannon Wright. So this is another uh, Own Voices graphic novel that is wonderful to see, maybe about grades four to six. It's a school story and a friendship and a sibling story. So twins and best friends, Maureen and Francine, they always did the same things together until they start middle school. And Fran, that's what Francine goes by now, is determined to set herself apart from her sister. So before she knows it, Maureen suddenly feels like she's being left behind. She's being put in different classes than her sister. And uh, her feelings are really hurt. And soon, Both sisters are running against each other for class president. So friends have to choose sides. It becomes quite the the drama-filled experience, but it's nice because definitely more so than American as Paneer Pie, which really focuses on some of those cultural issues, those social justice issues. This book has a lot of drama, but really focuses on that friendship and sibling-to-sibling experience. Yes, I've read both of those books. They were both really good. Well, thanks for sharing those. All very good choices. And Michaela, what were your favorites of 2020? So um, when I was looking through all the different books that I, I had read during 2020, once I narrowed them down to the ones that were 
published in 2020, I started like going through and trying to be very specific about the four that I'd bring here. Brought some from different age ranges and which sounds weird because teen feels like, oh, teen, everything's the same. Not because middle school teenagers and high school teenagers are not the same kids. Not at all. So my middle school teenagers, you kind of have to bridge the gap. Tween age is a weird time. You're reading some of the higher end teen books, but most of the time you're like, pushing in from J fiction a bit. So I brought a book that in our library, it's housed in J fiction, but it takes place during middle school years. And it's called me and Banksy by uh, Tanya. I'm going to mispronounce her last name. I think it's either key or Kai, but it is about a, uh, a girl named Dominica. And in her school, she's, there are cameras absolutely everywhere in her school. Everything is monitored. Everything that like, is a very big brother situation. There are, they are constantly being watched, but someone's been hacking into the cameras and taking snapshots and blasting those out over social media and texts and things to people. So, you know, you've got kids picking their noses or scratching their butts and things like that. And it starts all funny, but Dominica she ran to the library. She thought she was in a small corner. Why she chose the library, I don't fully remember. But she was quickly changing shirts because her shirt was inside out and she just noticed and she ran to the library and she's like, I'm just going to do it here. And it was caught on camera and that was blasted out over social media. And no one knows who the hacker is and no one knows what's going on, but they want the cameras out of the school. All these kids do. So they start forming protests and they do it in the way of Banksy, the street artist, where it's a full on war of visual performance art in protest of the cameras in the school because they're being attacked visually. And it was just a really good read. It does take place in middle school. A lot of kids, I mean, there are cameras all over our schools here. And it's something to think about how... Do we need cameras absolutely everywhere that there are cameras? How secure are they? Things like that. So it brings in a lot of different conversations that you wouldn't necessarily think a middle schooler would talk about or know about or do, but it's happening. It sounds really interesting. I'm going to put that on my list to read. <laughs> I also brought in a graphic novel that I really liked that is kind of pushing the edge on the other end of Teendom. This could actually even be considered a new adult book, which is usually, uh, it appeals to older teenagers and early 20-somethings, where you're kind of in limbo between teen books and adult books. And it is called Eat and Love Yourself, and it's by Sweeney Boo. And like I said, it's a graphic novel, but it talks about eating disorders. And it's about this woman who, she has an eating disorder, and in therapy and trying to figure out how to best help yourself, she starts having these disassociated kind of, of moments where she revisits the past. So it's a little bit like a Groundhog Day or um, a time travel aspect where like a Christmas carol when ghosts of Christmas present and Christmas past gather up Scrooge and take him around. I'm sorry, I've been watching Muppets Christmas Carol a lot lately, so that's what popped into my head. But she's able to take these isolated moments that have triggered her for her eating disorder and actually take a look at them and start to dissect them more personally than you can in like, a you can do this in a therapy situation, but this, it resonated more so with her because she's magically able to see these points and say, oh my gosh, that's why, and start to actually start loving herself. 
So it's a really good book. I liked that it was a graphic novel because you can see the jarring changes in scenery without having to go through a lot of text kind of descriptions. So for this kind of time travel, time space, jumping around memories, it's a really, really good format. I second that one. I loved that book. See? Yay! (laughs) So I also uh, brought... I love books that have multiple angles and multiple views because everyone's truth, even if it's the same story, everyone's living it in a different way and everyone's perspective is slightly different. So I brought to the table, it's a book, actually the last two books I have are set in a different time period than the 2020s, but they were written now. Um, So this one is Kent State by Deborah Wiles. And it is about the Kent State uh, shootings. And it offers different perspectives. Each chapter, it kind of jumps around a little bit. You get townies that are that were that just live in the town that this all happened at Kent State University. You get student perspectives. Uh, you get Vietnam protest perspectives. You get National Guard stories. So the people that are like coming in with these big guns and like we're here to protect and we're here to serve and we're here to stop and we're here to do all these all of these different characters each get to say their own thing and each character is very very unique. And they're all around the same point in history, but everyone's affected differently. That sounds awesome. I love Deborah Wiles. I did not know she had another new book out. Listen to the audiobook for that one. All right. Oh, I have a hard time with audio. I either absolutely have to be like in love with it in 30 seconds, or I will rip the CD out. And I realize we're, you know, it's usually e-audio now, but I will take the CD out and just throw it across the room because I don't want to listen to you. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> So, good audiobook? Yes. It's a full cast narration. No CD throwing, right? No CD throwing. It's a full cast narration. So, you, each one of those voices, when they're having this conversation, it really feels like a conversation because they're all, it's a different voice for each person as they talk and interrupt and and voice their, their frustrations. All right. I will go and place a hold on Kent State audiobook as for Anna Marie's suggestion because I would really like to hear the, the conversations instead of just reading them because it, it is a conversation book you do get all those different aspects and you see all the different sides of one story and then the last book that I wanted to bring to you it's not one that I really need to push hard because it is going to be a more popular book it already is a more popular book it is called The Black Kids and it is by Christina Hammonds Reed it takes place during the 90s right during the Rodney King riots. And it's a story about Ashley and she's grown up in LA and her, she's a black family that has a lot of money. So it's kind of like the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air kind of feel. Only think of it like Whitney or Carlton as the main character and slowly realizing their privilege. So Ashley, you know, she's hanging out with all of her friends. She's really the, she's kind of the token black kid of her, of her group, but She would much rather be hanging out at the beach and relaxing and chilling all cool. She starts to realize her privilege when she's seeing the other black kids in her, not in her neighborhood, but in her school that aren't as affluent and the things that they're going through and the things that they're talking about. And she's kind of realizing, oh, I live in a little bit of a bubble, don't I? And starts to, she kind of reaches out. So I, I know 
that it's going to be a very easy read for, or not, um, not any, a lot of people grab it and read it and it is wonderful. And there are some great little nostalgic things. If you've grown up in the nineties or you watch the, the French Prince kind of things, you have those little, oh, feel good moments in the middle of a book that is heavier. So you get those small snippets of the brain candy that I kind of want in a lot more books in a book that, that brings around discussions of, Hey, we're here 20 years later and things are still the same. Why? I loved that book. I read that too. I thought it was great. All right. So I'm going to kind of end our book discussion with a few recommendations or my favorites of the year. Picture book wise, uh, I chose a book called Friday Night Russell Fest by J.F. Fox, and it's illustrated by Micah Player. I like this book for several reasons. One, it had great illustrations, very colorful, and it's got a fun story. So it's about, uh, for wrestling fans, WWE wrestle style, the family, the dad, and the there's a boy and a girl and a baby. And they, every Friday night, they dress up in wrestle gear and like have like a pretend kind of WrestleMania in their house. <laughs> And it's just fun. They have, like, Russell names, um, which are usually, like, a dramatic, and it's a play off of Peanut Butter and Jelly, which has made me laugh. And I just thought it was, it's a fun book. It's cute. It's uh, diverse, and I just, I, I liked it. It was just... It was enjoyable. Also, a book that has two books out now this year is a graphic novel called The Investigators, about alligators that are basically spies and detective spies. It is in the vein of Dogman, so very funny, kind of slapstick humor. Like, they have, uh, they travel in the toilet systems, like the sewer systems, which is hysterical because, you know, there's a urban myth about alligators in the sewer systems. They're just, it's just a funny graphic novel. Like I said, book two is out, and I look forward to reading more coming out this year. Those are so much fun. They are. It's kind of like the Inspector Flytrap books to me, too. They're hysterical. Mm-hmm. If you just want, like, a good belly laugh, Investigators is it. My One of my favorite books of the year is actually a sequel. It is called Sal and Gabby Fix the Universe. It is written by Carlos Hernandez. And it's science fiction, which, in my opinion, there's not a lot of great kind of youth science fiction. So this is, I would say, ages, like, fifth and sixth grade. Maybe a good reader in fourth grade could read this. It is about Sal. Sal is a boy who can open kind of portals to other worlds. And Gabby, who is his best friend, and Gabby is, she can kind of do that too. She more can see the other portals than actually open some of their own. There's so much I like about this book. I like that Sal and Gabby are very smart. They're very diverse. They are Cuban-American. The book takes place in Florida, and I love their family dynamics. They each have very good relationships with their parents, and Gabby especially has a very unique kind of family dynamic. She has multiple adults in her life, so I enjoyed that. I like that part of the dialogue is in Spanish because they're Cuban and their family speaks Spanish, and where they go to school, a lot of people speak Spanish. And it's really got some great humor in it, too. One of Gabby's kind of parental units is actually a robot. (laughs) and she uh, tends to, she's a scientist robot, and she kind of, you know, does what robots do, is not always making understanding of the world. And then Sal's dad is basically a particle physicist, um, so I like that his dad has, like, a very intelligent job. Basically, the, the plot of the book is that they are, something's going on where multiple worlds are colliding, and they are attempting to fix it. So I just, I loved that book, and I loved the first one. 
And then the last book I wanted to share is a graphic novel. It's a nonfiction graphic novel. It's middle grades, but like Michaela kind of said earlier, it kind of can lean into teen. It's kind of that in-between stage. It's called When Stars Are Scattered. It is written by Victoria Jameson and Omar Mohammed. It is a autobiographical graphic novel. It's about Omar Mohammed's experiences in a refugee camp in Kenya when he was a boy. I had actually never really read anything like this, so I never, at least graphic novel format. I thought it was very poignant as a graphic novel because you can really experience kind of how unsettling this place is. So him and his brother, and he's got a brother who is developmentally disabled and has epilepsy. He's taking care of his brother. His parents aren't there. He doesn't really know if his parents are dead or alive. They're living with a kind of a woman who's taking care of them. And Omar has the chance to go to school. That might not seem like a big deal for, you know, us here in America, but it is a big deal there because it's going to school. Not everybody gets to do that. And it is an opportunity for him to get an education and maybe make their lives better. But that also means leaving his brother behind because his brother can't come to school with him. It was a really kind of impactful book, an impactful story. He's Somali, and so I think we have in Westerville, you know, we have a lot of Somali immigrants. You know, I don't know if this is their particular experience, but it made me, you know, think about, you know, did you live in a refugee camp? What was like? Why did you leave Somalia to begin with? There's, there was a lot of civil war going on there, and life is rough, you know, not enough to eat. You know, again, education, health. His brother has really had very little health care. It, it, it hit me hard, that book, and I really enjoyed reading it. So highly recommend it for everyone. All right, so we've shared our favorites of the 2020 year. And normally we end library life with a book recommendation, but since we did that, we each share a place where you go to get your own book recommendations, like a list or something. Absolutely. I look at a lot of sources for books. I follow a lot of library and book blogs in general. I know some of my favorites are uh, Rich in Color. So that's just richincolor.com as well as colorsofus.com. They both really focus on diverse books and multicultural books for kids. And it's been really great resources, especially to keep up with what is being published, especially since the publishing industry is very lopsided in what is actually produced each year. I really try to keep an eye on what is coming out to be as well-versed in what is being published that is diverse as I can. So those two are definitely some of my favorite places to find to find book recommendations. I wind up trolling a lot of the well, Edelweiss and, and things like that where you can get e-arcs. So you can kind of a lot of times read a book before it comes out, which is magical. But honestly, and this is going to sound really basic, sometimes I just troll Amazon <laughs> and I'll be like, all right, what was a book I really liked? And I'll go through there and then I'll scroll down to the bottom and see those like other books that were bought in this collection kind of a thing. And I have found books that I didn't know about that way. And it's been really fun because it's also ones that it's you don't have to be a librarian. You don't have to be a teacher to be able to access Amazon. And, and see the exact same plethora of books and have the exact same access of, of that information. So I'm going to say Amazon. I do that with Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Um, and Goodreads. Good, yeah. 
I would say one of my favorite places specifically for kind of picture books, which to, for me personally, those are the hardest to keep up with because I feel like there's so many, do Jayberry, which is a website created by, it's a kind of a blog created by two Canadian librarians. And it was kind of sad because they were, they didn't update hardly at all this year. I mean, understandably, the world is, you know, <laughs> going, has some things going on, but they did publish a uh, 2020 book list kind of for picture books. And so I was super excited to see that. But yeah. All right. Well, thank you both for joining me and sharing your favorite books of 2020. Kayla, Anna Marie, have a wonderful day. And listeners, I will include the links to all the books and lists in the comments of the SoundCloud file. And have a wonderful day. Bye. Bye. Thank you for having us. Thank you.